Hello, and welcome to Creating Happy Healthy Pets 2023, Bark and Whiskers Anniversary Week Special. Join us as we feature a pet expert every day, each sharing their expertise to help you continue creating happy, healthy pets. Without further ado, let's jump right in to today's interview. Enjoy watching. Hello, and welcome to Happy Healthy Pets Week. I am so excited that I have my friend and colleague, fellow veterinarian and board certified rehabilitation specialist, Dr. Lori McCauley with me. She was actually one of my instructions, instructors when I took the canine rehabilitation course. She was one of my teachers. She's, I believe, probably the most eminent rehab person in the U.S., if not potentially the world. And I'm so thankful that she has taken some time out of her incredibly busy schedule to join us today. Today, we're talking about exercise and why it's so important. So Dr. McCauley, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to this amazing Awareness Week. Thank you for having me. This is amazing. I'm so happy to be here. My mission in life is to help as many pets in the world as possible. So this is like right up my alley. People that are unfamiliar with you, people that are in the sports world know exactly who you are and uh, follow you and um, have worked your programs and follow your information for going on decades. But how did you decide you wanted to devote your life and career to rehabilitation, to the taking care of the physical body to the extent that you became a specialist in doing so? How did that come about? So I did six years in general medicine and actually um, I got bored as so many regular veterinarians do. It was like, this is so amazing. And then it's one really good case a week. And then it's really one good case a month. And it's like, another dog with diarrhea and another vomiting cat and anal glands and spays and neuters. And it wasn't as fulfilling. And then I fell down the stairs at three o'clock in the morning, putting my dogs out. And I went to my chiropractor. I hurt my back. He couldn't fix me. He sent me to an orthopedic guy who sent me to a PT and I went, Oh my God, this is amazing. This is what I, if, so the whole idea is you find the problem, you fix the pain and then you strengthen it. So it doesn't happen again. That's what I want to do for my patients. And I thought, I'll take a course. And there was no course. So I'm like, okay, I'll do whatever I can. And there was one person in the US who had a PT on staff. Um, I don't know if you ever saw emergency vets with Rob Taylor at Alameda East, 20 something years ago. And I went there, we did some research together. I spent time with PTs. I read every human PT book I could find. And I started working with dogs. And in 1998, I opened up the first rehab clinic. Um, I designed the first underwater treadmill for dogs. I saw what it was doing for racehorses and humans. And it was just like a light bulb. And what I thought I had had a new son, he was six months old at the time. Now he's 26. And I thought, okay, this will be great. I'll do rehab three days a week, six hours a day. And within six months, I was working 60 to 80 hours a week because it's amazing right? There's so much we can do to help these dogs. It, yeah. it has been such a blessing. Well, and then you also went on because there was no such thing as really small animal veterinary rehab. As you mentioned, equine for sure. You know, people are going to drop $250,000 in a racehorse. They're going to do what they can probably at that time using human PTs to help. But then this has now become a specialty that you kind of helped create. What year was rehabilitation adopted in as a specialty? So I started my first clinic in 1998 and we became a board board certification group in 2010. 
And I got board certified in 2014, had to go through, take the test and everything. And I just recently, like within the last two months, got, because you only get board certified for 10 years. And then you either have to do a whole bunch of things, um, teaching and stuff, research, or take the test again. So I just got my recertification. So I am boarded until 2034. Woohoo! Congrats. Congrats. I, <laughs> you'll be boarded until you're done, but that's, go. that, yeah. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> and it has to be so empowering for you to watch, to have a hand in creating mm-hmm. a health and wellness segment of veterinary medicine that didn't previously exist. It has to be incredibly gratifying, especially the number of animals that without the services that not just you created, but now you're training veterinarians worldwide the number of animals that are now being saved because no pill or drug is going to cause a paralyzed dog to suddenly stand up and walk. And and it has to be very soul filling for you to look back and also look forward as to what have, what you've helped accomplish, but also the, the place that this particular wellness vantage point is going towards within our profession. It has to be very inspiring for you. It is amazing. You know, I've had interns from 17 different countries. Um, So in the beginning, they were staying at my house and coming to the clinic. I have taught tens of thousands of vets, right? Between all the different conferences. Um, I taught the rehab certification course for 14 years. And I just, I am, it is so heartwarming because now so many of the people that I taught, like yourself, have gone on to teach more, right? So it's like this ripple effect. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so honored to be like that little ripple that started. And now yeah. my interns have become board certified and they're teaching and they're writing and they're doing mm. research. And this, it truly has gone from my little 400 square foot space to a mushroom to be worldwide. Yeah. And, you know, it, I've been able to lecture at the world conference and help with the FEMA dogs and the police dogs. And it's just amazing. Yeah, it is. And really nothing else takes its place. It's not, it it literally was a hole. We had this gaping deficiency within the options that we know as veterinarians until this field was fleshed out in part because of you. So we really appreciate your passion and your contribution to developing this particular field of veterinary medicine. So this brings me to an interesting question. When I was writing Forever Dog Book, I was I found it really interesting. When we look at the oldest dogs in the world, the amount of exercise they're getting, Lori, is pretty mm-hmm. astronomical. Like most of them were maybe not on farms, but they were outside. They are outside for much of the day. They're just walking. Like they're they're moving. I'm not going to say constantly, but mm-hmm. they are active. Like for at least half of the day. And then we compare that to let's just take well-loved dogs in the US, but potentially around the world, well-loved animals in safe, stable environments oftentimes are owned by people that are incredibly busy, potentially too busy to give them the heart-thumping aerobic exercise that they need. And I have been really a little overwhelmed at the number, not just the obesity crisis with dogs and cats worldwide, but even animals that are maintaining their body weight, they aren't getting the, I'm going to call it movement therapy. They're not moving enough 
to maintain their muscle mass, but then beyond movement therapy, there's actually exercise. So can you start this conversation where you're going to educate all of us a little bit about how much exercise do our, do our dogs need when it comes to just basic health, but then disease prevention? Cause those are two different things, you know, just maintaining body weight and maintaining muscle and tendon ligament resiliency is one thing, but that's the bare basics are very different than optimal movement. So can you walk us through kind of where your thoughts are on what we should be doing and probably aren't? Absolutely. Absolutely. I would love to. So in humans, like there's a ton of research in mice and humans, and I, I, I'll go into just a little bit of research um, in mice they show that mice that walk on a a wheel, right? Because mice actually don't run, they walk. They live significantly longer, right? And their brains, they make more neurons, they're smarter. There's so many more health benefits to the ones that walk. And that is totally different overlap with the the mice that are constantly learning new things, right? So when you're learning new things, you have different processes that go on in the body, different processes that go on in the brain, Um, you actually have more neurons being, uh, let me try that again. The ones that go on the wheel get more neurons in the hippocampus, the part of the brain that is for um, learning and behavior. The ones that learn new things, those neurons live longer. So by doing both, we can help the brain that way. Mm -hmm. And then with the body, I would say the minimum for a human, because that's where most of the research is, five, at least five times a week, walking for at least 25 minutes and realize that's working endurance. And there's different type of muscle fibers we have. So that, that, that walking is going to help with the heart, with the metabolism and that stuff, but it's not injury prevention, right? Injury prevention, the, the walking, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go for a run. I'm going to chase a ball. I'm going to go for a swim. That really works type one muscle fibers which are great, but it doesn't really work type two muscle fibers. So think about like humans, you have the humans that are runners, right? And they're thin and lean and they really have strong type one muscle fibers. The type two muscle fibers are your gym rats, right? They have big muscles. They're super strong. They may fatigue easily, but those are the guys that prevent shoulder injuries, hip injuries, knee injuries, back injuries, all of that. And we really need to work both. So the same principle applies for humans. So in humans, everyone pretty much knows, yeah, you need to do some cardio, some aerobic exercise, but nothing takes the place of strength training. You have to, you have to do strength and aerobic exercise. Same is true for, can we, I can venture to say cats as well, eh? Yeah, absolutely. Now getting a cat to do some like strength exercises maybe kind of fun. I've had cats that had uh, clients that had cats who like their cat would run to the door if the doorbell rang. So I would have them five times a day, put a treat by the door, ring the doorbell. Cat comes running. Hey, look, there's a treat, right? Little yep. bit of calories, but they come running. Uh, you know, there's, you have to be a little more creative with cats, but absolutely. Then that's that. And then tricks, if you can teach cats to do tricks, and I know people who keep teaching, we had our cats that sit up and bag, right? And do all kinds of fun stuff. And that can help with core. You can pick them up and put them down gently and that gets them to step back. So there are things we can do. 
Yeah. You know, I just figured out that when my kitty's on her back and she's being all adorable, usually some catnip involved and she's being Uh all adorable on her back. If I dangle feather, she'll Mm -hmm. crunch. So I can get, I can get with a feather, I can get her to do some crunches. So I'm, I'm working on stim passively stimulating her to work her core with feather crunches. So there are, but you, you do have to kind of think of those things because kitties don't do those on their own. And we have to do, we have to be balanced, right? So for everything that you're doing coming forward, you want to have her doing something back. So then taking that feather and having her come up. So we work on the back muscles. So we're not just creating strength in the, in the abdominal muscles. We're creating the back so that we're balanced and we're not going to have a back injury or back pain. Okay. See, so important. So for all of our listeners, readers that say, you know what? I live on an acre and my dog has a dog door and we have this fenced in beautiful backyard. He can walk to his heart's content or that usually, at least for my clients, that is what they consider exercise or people get home. They're exhausted. They've worked 10 hours and they take their dog for a walk around the block. That's an okay start. No problem. But then where do we go from, from that kind of mild short amount of cardio to actually working on building strength. It's that's not something that we intuitively know what to do for our own bodies. And certainly not anything that comes intuitive for us as pet parents. So can I introduce you to Sid? Please. Sid came to me and I'm going to give him a little bit of food, Hey, buddy, healthy food. Sid came to me when he was 11 months old. He's like, Oh yeah, you got food. I'm all over it. Um, And he if you can see him, he has straight shoulders, he has straight knees and a long back, right? And when we look at it, the most common injury we see in active dogs is shoulder injuries. The most common orthopedic surgery we see is cruciate injuries. And who's most who's most likely to get those cruciate injuries? Dogs with straight knees. Who's most likely to have back injuries? Dogs with long backs. So I said, I need to put together an exercise program for him because I don't ever, I love this guy. He is my, my amazing heart dog. I don't ever want him to have to go through an injury or surgery, right? I don't want him to have psoas injuries. So I put together an exercise program for him to work on stabilizing his muscles. And, and if your listeners want to go to optimumpetvitality.com, they can actually purchase the course core and more for pet parents, right? Functional exercises for your dog that work on all the stabilizers. Nice. So an exercise course that goes through everything they need to know to prevent injuries. And it's 24 exercises. It's not like a hundred thousand. It's doable, which is super, super important. Um, And this guy is rock solid. Um, He is one of very few dogs in the world. And, and this course is not going to allow your dog to do this. Right. But I have taken him to the point where he can actually get on a round ball and walk it forward, backwards, sideways in both directions, spin, twirl. He can walk, Amazing. follow it around cones. He can walk it in the yard where it's bumpy and hilly. And he's Gosh. just amazing. Amazing. And he will never get injured. And so I can only imagine that you as kind of this world-class expert, I don't want to say you might feel pressure to have a dog that literally is 
is this caliber of an athlete, but also so well conditioned that he really is, I don't say above the level of injury, but you have intentionally created this because this is all you've seen in practice is potentially preventable injuries that you are not going to have that in your own home because you, you know better. And thank you for basically what you have made are our personal training courses for people who are, who don't know, because none of us would intuitively know what we need to be doing. You right. provided one-on-one consultation via video course that we can all condition our animals to avoid injury and strengthen their entire bodies. So yeah. do you, you want to do a little demo with Sid? I do. I do. Because there's simple things you can do that anybody can do. And this is like starter exercises. Come here, buddy. Come on up. Right. And he's like the best demo dog in the world. Okay. You can have a cookie. Pay it forward. So things like coming and starting with like a three-legged stand. So you can start him if you have a weak, a geriatric dog or a puppy, just standing and picking up one leg and just holding it and making him control his balance on the other three legs. Now I've just made it harder, right? Because I have him on a movable or at least um, unstable surface, right? We would pick up this leg. And notice I'm not grabbing it, right? If I grab it, I'm helping him. So it's very light touch and he has to hold it. So that's one exercise. And you just go around and your dog may be able to hold it for five seconds. He may be able to hold it for 30 seconds. And when they can get to 30 seconds, then you go to a different exercise, right? Five reps to 30 seconds, we can move on and make it harder. Another one that I start with my geriatric dogs, one of the basic ones is what we call rhythmic stabilization where you just stand them and you push them. Stay up. Thank you. Stay. Yes. And he's pushing against me. Stand up. Up. Thank you. Stay. And I'm pulling him into me. I can push him up. Come on. Up. I can pull him back. Stay. Yeah. Really, really, really hard. And so you're basically having him, you know, he's leaning into you and you're putting, he's working on, on stabilizing himself as you're kind of gently shoving him forward, backward, left, and right. Well, and think about this. There's no added compression to his joints. So a dog with arthritis can do it. A yeah. 12-week-old puppy can do it. Yeah, beautiful. Right? When we're pushing him, there is no shear force in his joints. So a dog who has an injury um, and is the pain is gone can do it. And there's no chance of injury to the joint. Yeah. So it's extremely safe and extremely beneficial. And by increasing time and increasing reps, it can be quite a workout. That's awesome. Good job, buddy. Nice job. Nice job. That's wonderful. And so if you have an animal, and that's actually probably, I was thinking about all the animals that maybe are either rescued and they're not used to moving, animals that have never had an exercise protocol or, you know, maybe mom and dad's listening are like, Oh goodness, I have an out of shape, overweight animal. I don't know where to start that. That's where you can start. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. When you see people that maybe begin to recognize, Oh my goodness, my dog has had no aerobic exercise and has not done any strength or stability training. Uh-huh. I'm I'm behind and I'm nervous. Uh, what what are some of the bigger mistakes you see with people maybe recognizing? Oh my goodness! I I realize this is a massive contributing factor to longevity and 
injury prevention. I don't want my dog to have early arthritis. I haven't done any of these things. People can, people can sometimes do it wrong. Uh, What do you see as some of the biggest mistakes people are making, Lori? The biggest mistake is weekend warrior syndrome, right? People who work all week long, do nothing with their dog. Their dog is either just sitting in the house or in a cage. Um, And then they come home and they just feed them. They go to bed. And then on the weekend, they're like, let's go for a 10 mile run, right? Or let's do all the exercises today and tomorrow, right? Instead of building up. So it takes three to four weeks to have physiologic change in the muscles. And it takes three to four months of doing exercises to have physiologic change in the tendons and ligaments. And what that should tell you is that Tendons and ligaments, which is a lot of the time where we have injuries, can atrophy, right? Which means they're more likely to get injured, but they can also hypertrophy or get bigger and stronger. And if we do these exercises and slowly build them up, we can significantly decrease the chance of injury. So no weekend warrior syndrome, do a little bit every day, right? And it can be something like um, you have a 10-year-old dog and you're going to feed him breakfast, have him back up. 10 steps before you put his bowl down, right? Or have him, if you have a seven-year-old dog, right? So maybe one a little more active, we're going to go and back around the house, right? Or And then maybe walk sideways a little bit and then maybe do a sit to stand. Or if you're going to walk your dog, when you're walking him, every time you get to a street, before you cross the street, he goes into a sit. Then he does a stand. And then we walk to the other side and he does a sit. And then he does a stand. And if you're like, well, you know, I'm only going to walk my dog or I'm in the country. Okay. Every fifth tree, right. Or every driveway. So you can make up your own, start slow and build up so that they're not going to get injured. And (laughs) your dog is really heavy, right. You're doing too much. Yeah. Okay. There's certain signs. If it's like I was in Louisiana, I was um, at the vet school teaching for two weeks last week. It was, I would go outside for lunch and it was like 98, feels like 110. Don't do it in the middle of the day, right? Do it five o'clock in the morning or 10 o'clock at night, right? As soon as you get up or just before you go to bed. So that if you have to go outside, it's at least as cool as it can be. And know the signs, right? The, the, I don't know if you know this, but when a dog pants and is moving their head, it's because a lot of times you'll see their tongue is flat. So they have more evaporation space because dogs don't sweat except on the pads of their feet. So to get rid of heat, their tongue will flatten out so that there's more space to evaporate to get rid of heat. And then they'll move their head around so that they're not breathing in the hot air that they just expelled. Yeah. So that's a really good tip. I mean, for, for everyone, it's like, you know, if you, if you're seeing those subtle cues, we need to be aware that our animals could be reaching kind of threshold in terms of that particular training session. So slow and steady rinse their waist and consistency, Lori, consistency, Mm -hmm. obviously. Yeah. Okay. Excellent tips. So people listening think, okay, I can do this. Uh, we're talking about using maybe a portion of their food then, because we don't want to, I mean, certainly if you're, if your dog will work for veggies, yay. If you can take one mini carrot and make 10 little sliced rings, yay. But otherwise just like pea sized morsels of even their food. Like I think Sid was working for either healthy treats or food. He, yeah, he does as well. His dinner, right? So it's freeze dried yeah. raw food. 
So it's a really good, well-balanced diet. Um, And if you say, you know what, hey, but my dog is on raw and it's wet and it's meaty. Great. Put it into ice cube trays, stick a tongue depressor in it. And now you have something that they can lick and go for. Or if your dog can eat yogurt or peanut butter, I'll have people take a mug and put a little bit of peanut butter or yogurt or pumpkin paste right on the inside of a mug and freeze it so that they can lick around and get it. Or if there's a person and they can't bend down and they have a little dog, I'll have them take a wooden spoon and they can put a yummy treat that's, again, peanut butter, yogurt, their food, if it's wet food, on that with wax paper underneath so it doesn't spill, freeze it, and then the dog can lick at it and chew at it. And you can draw what I call drive the dog. So you can be like moving the dog. We're going to go sideways. We're going to go forward. We're going to go backwards. We're going to do spin. We're going to do twirl. We can do all these things. And the dog's like, yeah. And they're getting that's their- a, brilliant. Yeah, that's brilliant. Wooden spoon. That's brilliant. I never thought about that, but that is amazing. Would you say, Lori, for animals that happen to not be food motivated, mm-hmm. um, any tips or tricks for, or my clients will say to me, my dog just doesn't want to move. Any tips or tricks for animals that just are unmotivated to do anything? Praise is so very, very important, right? I One of the things I do with my students is I say, okay, if I push you and you take a step and I push you and I take a step and you take a step and I go to push you again, you're going to go, what the heck, right? Yeah. You're going to get pissed. But if I push you and I say, and you take a step, I go, oh, Karen, thank you so much. That was so important to me. I so very much appreciate it. And I push you and you take a step and I go, yay, you can't do it. all I have to do is step towards you to take a step and you're going to step. Right. And it's the same thing with the dogs. I tell them I have no problem making a fool of myself if it makes my dog happy. Right. So it can be as something as the dog sits and you're like, yeah, I'm so proud of you. And the dog's like, what did I do? What did I do? I like that. Right. Yeah. So, and I have, because I do rehab, it may not just be food. Like I have taught dogs to walk again using their favorites, right? So it could be caramelized popcorn, right? Not balanced, not appropriate. And it got the dog walking again. Yeah. One dachshund that we would take a styrofoam cup cut down, but his absolute, oh my God, favorite thing that his owner shared with us was coffee with a lot of milk in it. And he would get to get two or three licks and then we would move it three feet and he would be like, oh, okay, I'll walk. Um, right. So it can be yeah. crazy things. Yeah. Um, it can be, I had one client who their dog was like, yeah, food means nothing to me, but loved agility. And we were just learning. So his favorite thing was to go on into a tunnel. So we took some of the Cavaletti jacks, like little Cavaletti poles, and we would have him do an exercise and then go, go tunnel. And he would go through and he'd be like, and he'd be so excited and we will okay. do the next exercise so we could go tunnel again. Right. Or totally. so the, I was just going to say, so the key is to find something that, you know, your dog is going to love, whether it's a toy or even, you know, like we all eat trash food now and then this is a good time to break out your dog's favorite trash food in teeny tiny portions. Is this, <laughs> this is what I'm hearing. You're saying, yeah. Okay. Okay. And toys, like a lot of dogs that that's their main thing is like golden retrievers, right? They just, they just want their toy. Yes. And I'm one of those crazy people. I have some of the toys 
that are the toys that the dog, you know, will chew on for three years because it's so well-made. And I go to like Goodwill where they're like 50 cents or a dollar a piece. And as long as they don't have button eyes, that they have sewn on eyes, no moving, no like metal or anything like that. I bring them home and the dogs know when they get that, they can rip it to pieces and it looks like it's snowed and they just are so, so happy, right? So, and they know those toys because it's a different feel of the material because it's really thin. So we can use that as a, you want this toy? You want, you're going to get this one, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that is. And that's a really good idea. Um, We almost would call them disposable toys. If you get old used stuffed animals from Goodwill, that's an amazing, you know, for, I think about my pit bulls that would, that's like gold, like way above food, being able to shred something with stuffing in the middle. Uh-huh. Like hand, hands down, bliss. Yes, bliss. That's awesome. So when we think about injury avoidance, so many people are going to say, I've already been through one cruciate. I already missed that boat. But that cruciate weakness that resulted in a tear and surgery, that's the, all of the ligaments in the body are that weak. The knees just maybe happen to be ergonomically the body's weakest link. But Can we talk a little bit about how we can go about for animals that have not been injured? How do we avoid it? And for animals that may have already sustained a injury, what can we do to minimize the chances of it happening again? So let me tell you that there is a paper out from the, this is human again, the Canadian physicians, I don't remember college of something or another, basically stating that exercise is a highly underutilized Um, arthritis pain management tool. So exercise in itself can one decrease the arthritis, right? Or the progression of the arthritis, as well as decrease the pain. And again, it's that stabilization type exercises that we do that can help those joints and realize that when we talk about, oh, my dog tore a cruciate, 30 to 50% of those dogs that tear one cruciate are likely without rehab or exercise to tear the second one within two years. So exercise is so super important as well as supplements, as well as good diet, right? It all plays into it um, and range of motion. So I have to throw that in for a second. The number one sequela, the number one problem I see post cruciate injury is dogs lose the ability to bend their, their hock or their tarsus And then that makes them shift all of their weight to the other side, which then we know causes more inflammation, which is what's going to increase the chance of tearing the other side. So doing range of motion on the surgery side or the injury side, even if they don't have surgery, can help decrease the chance of that other one tearing. And again, putting, doing the exercises so we can strengthen those. We have right up to two years that they can tear the other one. And it takes three to four months to strengthen the tendons and ligaments. We have time to do that. Even if we're just starting the very beginning. That's really good hope for everyone that is either maybe had an, a, a CCL or ACL strain or, you know, that there's maybe a, a, I think before, unless you're hit by a bus, most of the time, I believe the science has established that it's, it's a micro trauma process that ultimately creates a rupture. And as animals are going through this process of having their tendons and ligaments become weaker and weaker and the inflammation's there, there's still intervention, positive steps we can take to prevent 
the body from fully rupturing. And these exercises contribute powerfully to, to that happening. Is that correct? Absolutely. Can I add something? Um, I have, I just realized it. (laughs) I have it written down because I have to remember it. If anybody's interested in, I have a free ebook that they can get. And I don't know if you Okay, please. Yeah, the word ebook. So just E B O O K to 866-949-0068. It'll say, Hey, give me your email address and we will send you to your email, the top five exercises for geriatric dogs. Nice. Great ebook that anybody can use. And, um, even if you don't have a geriatric dog, it's those exercises again are safe for a 12 week old puppy on up. So good. Wonderful, Lori. I appreciate you putting that together and also offering it free of charge. It's as, it, That's for people that are listening or reading and think, I don't know where to start. Start there because mm-hmm. it's free. You can look it over. You can go at a pace that your dog is comfortable with. It gives you time to digest the information and just practice one exercise at a time. That's wonderful. So you mentioned supplements, Lori. Do you have, you know, there's, I have met many doctors, many rehab doctors that use some supplements, but not others that think that maybe all the supplements are maybe overrated or people are over supplementing me personally. What I have seen is people use a ton of supplements and don't think about food. I'm a big believer in healthy food and the appropriate supplementation. I I like those together, but I'm kind of pick and choose when it comes to the types of supplements for certain conditions. What are your thoughts on supplements? I am a huge believer in supplements. Um, Sid gets them. I have Ollie, my 13 and a half year old Mastiff mix. He's on supplements. Um, And I don't recommend a supplement, right? So any of your chondroprotectants, chondrocartilage protectants, obviously we're protecting the cartilage. I usually recommend finding three, four, five really good ones and rotating with the idea that if we have six different things in this one and six different things in this one and six different your body isn't going to need just these. They're going to get enough of these, but they may need some of these. So you do this for a bottle, that for a bottle, that for a bottle. Um, I love standard processes, um, canine musculoskeletal support. Um, I love, uh, you know, um, Leilani Alvarez, one of my people that I taught who runs the rehab program at AMC has a great lecture on if you take supplements that have glucosamine and chondroitin isolated. When she did a meta-analysis of all the different studies, those are the ones that had less of a tendency to have a large effect. When you took the ones just that had the green lip muscles or the perna caniculus, the other name for them, those are the ones that had really good effects. So I have a tendency to pick the chemi- the supplements that have that rather than just the isolated glucosamine and chondroitin. Um, my guys get collagen. I myself am on collagen. Um, I do uh, personally Great Lakes collagen because it's got like 20 different amino acids in it, including the one, two of the three that help with muscles. Um, Myos for, um, for muscle. I contacted the, the company and said, listen, I have, I'm a nerd. I admit it. I've read every research article you guys have put out, prove it to me. If you send me enough free and I'll buy it after that, And it changes my, at the time, 12-year-old Mastiff, and I can see a difference, I will let people know about it. And sent me a 12-week supply, 
And my dog who could not do sit up and bag was able within 12 weeks to do sit up and bag and high five, which is changing center of gravity while he's doing a sit up and bag and walk backwards 120 feet without having to sit down and get up on the round ball and walk it 40 feet around the house. I was like, I'm in. So, so for, so for people that don't know what meiosis back up and, and just give a little, because all of these, the counterprotective agents nourish and support the cartilage, the raw materials for building blocks of cartilage. And then there are things that produce help, help the body produce synovial fluid or joint fluid. But what, what is the like mechanism of action for myos for people that aren't familiar? So myos has fortitropin in it, which is a special process used from fertilized chicken eggs. Yeah. from specifically from the, the yolk. And then, and it's really cool because the research shows that unfertilized don't have the same effect and yeah. have this cold process where they do whatever they have to do. And it's a little crumble thing. Um, and if you cook it, it's no good. So like you have to, if you put hot water in your dog's food, you have to wait till it cools before you put the myos on. Um, but it actually stops myostatin in the body myo muscle statin stay. So as we get older, when we're injured, our body produces a chemical called myostatin, which stops the body's ability to make muscle. And by stopping the myostatin or significantly decreasing the myostatin, it allows our body to make muscle. So there's studies in geriatric people, in athletes, there's studies in dogs post cruciate injury, um, in, well, I mean, we have the studies in the, the dogs that are athletes, they now have it in cats with renal failure that they are putting on more weight. And the, with those, with the cats, that actually is a direct correlation. The cats that are more muscled live longer than the cats that are really anorexic. So we're hoping that that's going to be a, um, a significant effect in longevity in the cats. It's just a really cool product. Well, and I will just say as a, as testimony, my father who is shrinking, he's 83, he's got sarcopenia. This is where you're atrophying. You're losing muscle mass by the day. I put, I put him on the human myos several years ago, mm-hmm. along with uh blood flow, BFR blood flow restriction bands. And it's mm-hmm. dramatic how you can stop slow or reverse this terrible shrinking process. Likewise, for animals, maybe your animal has sustained an injury and they've got, you know, one leg that's smaller. You've got an imbalance of musculature. This is like the perfect supplement along with physical therapy, training and at-home exercises to help the body rebuild or reestablish some of that muscle tone. So I agree with you. So in essence, what I hear you saying is there are things to support and nourish joints. And mm-hmm. then there are supplements that can support and nourish muscles uh, as well. And that potentially picking and choosing a blended protocol for specifically what your goals are is probably the best approach. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And um, uh, just throw in here, um, yes. well, yeah, is amazing. So like the standard process canine musculoskeletal support, one of the reasons I like it is because it has Boswellia in it, which is a LOX5 inhibitor. So it's totally safe that, um, let me back up when a dog takes Rimadyl or Medicam or Prevacox or any of that, that's a COX-2 or COX-1 inhibitor, which is an anti-inflammation. You can also hit the inflammatory process in another place. So you can't take Medicam and Rimadyl, right? That would throw you into kidney failure or liver failure. It'd be a really bad thing, but you can have Boswellia into that mix for a better effect. Um, and the, the, the standard process product has it, which I really like. So that's always one that I put into my mix. 
That's beautiful. And you know, what you just talk, just mentioned, because a lot of people recognize that pain is an inciting factor for people to get highly motivated to do something. And we certainly don't want our animals in pain. And that's where some of these NSAID drugs come in. However, they do have side effects. Um, and by potentially by adding Boswellia, you can decrease the amount of NSAID and, and huh? still have inflammation and pain managed because you've added in some natural anti-inflammatories that help take the place of using these drugs. However, Dr. McKelly, talk about how just supplying EDSEDs without supplying the raw materials for cartilage repair or any of these other supplements that actually help to nourish the problem, just blocking pain. What happens if we're under this kind of false premise that, oh my gosh, my dog has been in pain. He took one of these magic anti-inflammatory drugs from my vet and thinks that he's all better. Can you speak to why there's a risk there? Yeah, because you're even if you're decreasing in the inflammation right now, a lot of times these guys, it's not the right now stuff. So there's a lot of people or a lot of dogs that are on anti-inflammatories that it's not really helping. They're just afraid to take them off. So you have the side effects of potential liver problems, kidney problems, all of that without necessarily the benefit. So I always recommend trying to wean them off of those if possible and give them the things to support the cartilage. Because if you're decreasing the inflammation, but you're still grinding the cartilage, all you're doing is grinding the cartilage, creating the inflammatory mediators, and then slowing the process down, but it's still progressing and you're still getting more arthritis. Whereas if you give the, the if you're taking care of the root cause, strengthening and stabilizing, and then giving the body the nutrients it needs to rebuild the cartilage, then you don't get the inflammation. And you don't need the drugs that are going to have the potential side effects. Yeah. And so just two kind of follow-up questions to that. Number one, what age do you, so one of the things that I, I was most shocked to learn, I don't know when I learned it, but maybe in the rehab course, I, I knew in vet school that cartilage really didn't have a crazy nerve supply so that you could wear it on your cartilage and your animals active and doing great. And all of a sudden they go from moving great to not moving well at all in a matter of three months. And you're like, oh my gosh, what happened? Well, now they have open nerves that it went from no pain to a lot of pain. Instantly people say, how did this happen so quickly? Well, that cartilage was allowed to wear down to the point that now there isn't any. So so what age do we preemptively or proactively start supporting cartilage, especially in, let's say, dogs over 25 pounds, bigger dogs? When when do you start putting together a proactive supplement protocol to prevent degeneration from occurring? It depends upon the dog's job, right? If my dog, like you said, little dogs, right? Little dogs are less likely, not always, to be super active, right? But if you have the dog who's out, you know, taking care of the sheep or running agility or doing herding or um, lure coursing or things like that, there's a total difference. So I never wait until I have clinical science, right? right? But if I have a dog and I see a lot, you know, sports medicine, right? All of my athletes, I want them on an oral chondroprotectant at six months of age, right? And I have very specific tests to see if they're even just getting a little bit of inflammation in their knees. And if they do, and the oral chondral protections aren't enough, we get them on adequate, right? Because that is something that's been shown to help rebuild the cartilage. Um, for my patients that are not, you know, they're just, I don't want to say just, they're house pets and they don't have a job you know, and they're older, right? It's about halfway through life, maybe a little bit less. So if you have a dog that you expect to live, you know, 12 years, a German Shepherd or a Golden, by five or six, they should be on something. And let's talk about 
arthritis is so more prevalent than what we know, than what what the client knows. Right now, we know that 20% of dogs at one year of age have arthritis. And by eight, 80% of dogs have arthritis. So I never want to wait until they have clinical signs saying that that cartilage is worn down and now I have pain and all kinds of scar tissue around it or an injury. I don't want to wait until that happens. Yeah. And, and I stand by that theory a hundred percent in that by the time your animal's showing you that they are broken, they have been in the process of breaking for a while. So I completely agree with you. And last but not least, unfortunately, much to my dismay, there is no pill for exercise. So you can give all the supplements in the world. Mm-hmm. I have clients that spend 250 bucks a month on supplements, but because their dog's bodies are not toned and resilient and strong, yep. all of those expensive supplements aren't necessarily preventing injury or degeneration. So it goes back to, we have no choice, but to move our dog's bodies to actually establish that annoyingly. Absolutely. Again, supplements help yet supplements are used to treat a problem. Exercise prevents the problem. Yeah. Right. And again, go ahead. Well, you've wholly motivated all of us. Like I'm going to get off this, this video and going to go walk the dog. It's hot in Arizona now. So I am one of those people that I have to exercise at five in the morning, but it does. And I have noticed in the last three months during this heat wave that, uh, I, I can't exercise home or nearly as far or as long, but there's stair. I can do stairs in the house. There are things we can do always what what we can't do is to use the excuse it's too hot or um i my body can't move therefore my dog won't move we're going to have to get creative when it comes to putting together a customized plan for our animals to help them achieve the physical activity that they need even if it's hot and even if our bodies can't like that's not really an excuse to not do it It's the other way. It actually goes the other way. I wish I had a dollar for every time I had a client who said to me, Lori, it's amazing. I started walking my dogs in the morning and my hip doesn't hurt anymore. My knee doesn't hurt anymore because now they are actually helping themselves as well as, right? So the dog may not be able to go very far and the person may may not be able to go very far, but then they exercise together and they both get better. Right. It's just, it really truly is a benefit to both the client and the patient. And it significantly increases the bond, right? Yeah. Because now the dog's like, are we going to go? Are we, what, is it time to go? Right. Instead yeah. of just like, oh, I'm laying on the couch where oh, mom's doing that. Dad's doing that. Hey, hey, look, there's, there's a ball over there. Can we play ball? Hey, yeah. can I get on the BOSU and do sit up and beg for you? Right. It, it truly is so many benefits. Mm, it's so good. Lori, if people wanted to learn more about what you do and where you're at and what you can offer, where would they go to find you? So my website is optimumpetvitality.com and you can they can sign in and get our learning goes. If they go to the website on top, it says learn and go. We've got almost a hundred different videos that they can go through and see which ones they like. There's a whole bunch of them on exercise. They can follow us. And again, I have to read this because I am not the person who stays on top of this stuff. 
They can follow us on Facebook at OptimumPetVitality.com, on Instagram at Optimum.Pet.Vitality. Um, they can subscribe to us on YouTube, Optimum Pet Vitality. We have lots of uh, great videos. There's on our all of our posts, all of our um, social media platforms. I am a huge advocate of my profession. I've been doing this for a very long time, right? I graduated vet school in 1992, before most of the students that I'm teaching now were even born. And we are the fourth highest suicide rate profession. So one of the things we do is every week, we try to put out words of wisdom and encouragement so that you open up your Facebook or your Instagram and you see something that just makes you smile or or realize how lucky we have it, right? Living in a place where we have a roof over our heads and a, a pet by our side, someone that loves us no matter what's going on in the world. And just try to make everyone smile. Yeah. Well, you you do that naturally because you're just that person. But you also have this beautiful heart to teach yeah. everyone around you, pet parents, other veterinarians, colleagues, researchers. I appreciate your commitment, not just to make people smile, but to give them the tools and the resources they need to make better exercise training, wellness strengthening decisions, because you provided that information for all of us. So I appreciate you also taking time today to teach our our listeners and followers about what they can do to help either begin a wellness exercise program, training and strengthening program for their animals, or to prevent injury from occurring. I really appreciate your wisdom. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. Thanks for having me, Karen. Thanks for watching. I hope you enjoyed today's video and learned fresh wisdom and insights from our special guest. Stay tuned for more interviews in celebration of creating Happy Healthy Pets 2023. See you soon.